I'm Luke. And I'm Marie. This is Colloquializing History. The podcast where we colloquialize history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. Sitting in a dark closet again. Yeah. It's just a good time, you know? This This is is how it is. This is our first time recording at night. Um, Spoiler alert. So, the... I have a window in my closet, which sounds bougier than it is. That's whack. Yeah, but it's mostly just, it's an old house thing. But, um, yeah, there, there's no light coming in through the closet, so we're, like, sitting in the weird light of Luke's laptop. It's kind of whack, but... Yeah, it's a little weird. So I can't really see you at all, because my laptop is facing <laughs> me. Creepy. And it's, it's really weird. I can see there's a sliver of light on your arm, and that's it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> getting into the history... So, this week, I'm going to be talking a little bit about nuclear energy. Because, as mentioned last time, I am the physics boy. And I really wanted to talk about some physics-y stuff that isn't, like, a super bummer. That's only a kind of bummer. There's some bummer in here, but I will try my best to make it entertaining for everybody. Okay. So... To begin with, so our history of nuclear energy, um, it pretty much starts with physicist Enrico Fermi, and physics students will be familiar with him, with the famous Fermi problems where you're supposed to estimate, like, the number of piano tuners in Wyoming. That's a famous one. Yeah, that's a question that physics teachers ask because Fermi was able to estimate it correctly. And by correctly, within, like, a factor of 10. So, like, he was very close. And it's just, it's crazy, like, the things that he would do. It's like, the whole Fermi problem thing is, like, just, can you estimate some weird stuff? Sure. You know, okay. I've so, definitely heard of the guy. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, he was running away from Italy. He was running away from the what, fascist man Mussolini. Yeah, that was him. Benito. (laughs) Benito. He was running away from him and, like, World War II, and he ran to America with his wife, who was Jewish. So that's Mm. that's part of the reason they were running away, because all of that. But he went to the University of Chicago, and he started working there, and he started the first experiments that were firing neutrons at other elements. So other elements, like... Eventually, they worked their way up to uranium, but they were just firing them and watching what happened. Because if I've learned one thing in all of my physics classes, it's that all of physics is just throwing things at other things and watching what happens. (laughs) At literally everything. You want to know what the structure of the atom is? Let's throw some lead at some gold or something. Let's (laughs) throw some particles at some gold. Yeah. It's... That's literally everything. The big particle accelerator, the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, that's just throwing particles at each other. That's all it is. So they were just throwing neutrons at other things. And he was the first one to think, oh, hey, if we throw neutrons at these particles, stuff might happen. Mm-hmm. So then these other two physicists, Otto Hahn and Fritz Strassmann, sorry, from names, pronunciations. They were the first ones to split uranium for the first time. And they split it into radium and beryllium. And they found out that these products 
if you added up the masses of radium and beryllium, it's less than uranium. Mm. So it wasn't exactly in half. Like, well, no. They, they caught all of the things that flew out of this. So when they threw a neutron at it, it broke apart. It like did some fission, right? It did broke, some fission. It broke apart. And when they added up the mass of the things that fell apart, it was less than the mass they started with. Mm-hmm. Which kind of at the time didn't make much sense. Like, where did the mass go? And then they found out later on after they were like after they did a little bit of experiment uh, digging that that mass was converted into energy. And so that proved quote proved gave, gave evidence towards Einstein's theory of relativity with E equals MC squared, which so like that's really cool because Einstein he's known for like his theory of relativity, but he was a really big quantum mechanics player which is what all of this is is quantum mechanics trust me it gets a little bit more interesting no you're good fam um okay and then in 1939 physicists began speculating that self-sustaining chain reactions could produce large amounts of energy so what the preliminary experience experiments by fermi and then um hahn and strassman um, found is that you could throw one neutron and split one atom. Mm-hmm. But if you could get a reaction that took one neutron, split an atom, which then released more neutrons, which split more atoms, which then released more neutrons, like that would be the chain reaction, and that could release a lot of energy. And yeah. that led to, like... um. Einstein, and then another physicist. There's just a lot of names in this. Sorry, uh, Hungarian physicist. But all these guys are in America. They're all, they're all in the U.S., which I think is pretty cool. Um, it led to um, Einstein on behalf of Leo. What was his name? Oh boy, Leo Szilard. Again, he's Hungarian. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm a Hungarian boy, and I can't pronounce his name. Right. But um, it led him, it led Einstein to sign Leo's letter to the president, President Truman, um, urging him to build nuclear weapons before Germany did in World War II. Because if Germany got their hands on nuclear weapons, that would be really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And Einstein, he like was a pacifist. He didn't want to fight anybody but he also knew if the germans got their hands on this technology before the united states did it would be really really bad so he urged the united states to go into development of nuclear power which by extension is nuclear energy but also like nukes Mm -hmm. big bombs big bombs big bombs so that like is what led all of this research to happen so quickly um, because they wanted to beat Germany to the punch. Germany and the Soviet Union. They, mm-hmm. The U.S. wanted to be the first ones, and eventually they were. Do you think that we would be where we're at with nuclear energy and like that technology if it wasn't for World War II? No. 
We no. The the answer is no. Because there's no like there would have been no incentive for them to like. Yeah, it's like would we eventually have gotten there? Yes. Mm -hmm. But would we be at the point we are now with the nuclear reactors and granted the weapons we have now? Absolutely not. If it weren't for the war, Mm -hmm. the war caused like it caused so much the United States to want it so much that they funded this research, and I think. Um, I saw it cost something like $2 billion back in the 30s and 40s, which today is like $28 billion. Whoa. So that's how much they wanted um, to develop this first. <laughs> that's coronavirus funding money. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so in 1939, they began sp- speculating about the self-sustaining chain reactions, and in 1941... Fermi and Leo um, Szilard um, proposed a theoretical design for a nuclear reactor, and in 1942, at the University of Chicago, they built it. Mm. And what it was, it's just a big cube of graphite. Right? So it's just a a cube made of pencil lead. Yeah, a big pencil. (laughs) (laughs) A really big pencil. And it's just, it's there, and it's full of uranium, but also cadmium. Cadmium is like the control rod. It absorbs neutrons. So if you want it to slow down, you put the rods in because it'll absorb it. And if you want it to speed up, you pull them out. So, oh, also, it was, it's really funny. They built, it's, it's called Pile 1. That's what they called this first reactor. It's just a pile. Pile of pencils. It's a pile of pencils. Um, and they built it <laughs> um, at the University of Chicago on a squash court underneath the stadium. So, like, they were doing these nuclear experiments underneath their, like, athletic, like, football field. Whoa. And, like... Why? Like, just because that was... The only place they had enough that, space? I'm not 100% sure. I would assume that... Because that's probably the only place they really had space. But also sure. they really needed to keep this secret. Mm. Because if anything got leaked, then like the mm-hmm. Soviet Union and Germany would know what we were up to and know how far we'd come. Which sure. Is, so, and like actually nothing ever got leaked. That, which is very surprising with, like, the amount of people that were working on this, like, the number of physicists. Nothing was ever leaked, which is hmm. cool. So now, as stuff is becoming declassified, we're learning more hmm. stuff about this. But, so Pile 1, and then on December 2nd, 1942, at 3.25 p.m. Central Standard Time, um, the first self-sustaining nuclear reaction took place at Pile 1, at the mm. University of Chicago, which I think... Under the football field. Under the football field, which <laughs> I think is super dope. So, yeah, they're like, <laughs> hey, where should we put the super experimental nuclear reactor that could blow up? We don't know. Under the football field. Our really expensive stadium that is also famous, and if it blows up, people will notice. <laughs> yep. I, like, I don't think it could have actually blown up. Mm-hmm. But... Like, there's yeah. never a, it's never a zero possibility because you're yeah. using nuclear material, you know? And then, 
Um, so that was in 1942. July 16th, 1945, the first atomic bomb was detonated in New Mexico. And the... the uh, what, what is... The man in charge... I can't remember the operator. Whatever. The guy in charge of this project, um, Jay Oppenheimer, um, he was like leading this project he was a physicist and he was working in new mexico and after the first successful detonation he there's a clip of him and he is quoting hindu scripture um of oh boy yeah of vishnu um as he's trying to intimidate this prince i i'm not very familiar with hindu scripture this is just what i read and he like takes on his multi-armed form trying to intimidate this this man and he says now i am become death destroyer of worlds Be- and cuz oppenheimer knew like the gravity of what like this would like would become yeah he he knew that he just created the most powerful weapon like we could ever conceive of yeah that's yeah cuz i guess i've heard that quote before mm mm-hmm. From things, and, like, mostly people making jokes. But, like, I didn't understand that that's... Luke has leaned his laptop at a weird angle so my face is illuminated. I want to see Disoriented else. me. Yeah, you're good. Um, But, yeah, like, I guess I've heard that in, like, a funny context, more like. But I didn't understand that that... That's, like, creepy for a person to say. It's kind of freaky. Well, be, like... But, I mean, it's kind of true. Like, that's what they... They were really, these really dangerous weapons, like, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, so, like, this is, like, the most dangerous thing that could ever happen, pretty much, is these bombs. And he was the one who kind of brought it into the world. Like, and, like, like I said, he happened to be the one. It would have happened regardless. But he, like, he knew, um... Like, what tragedies would happen with this? Do you know, like, is that something he had, like, guilt about? I, I don't know. I would assume yes, but I ha- I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then, um, less than a month afterwards, after the first um, bomb detonated, that was called the Gadget, by the way, um, and on August 6th, um, Hiroshima... Hiroshima was bombed, Hiroshima, and August 9th, so three days later, Nagasaki was also bombed, causing, like, over 180,000 deaths. And then it killed a bunch of people later, too, from, like, latent, Mm -hmm. like, radiation shit. Yeah. Because that's the problem with fission bombs is the um, radiation that's left afterwards. This is the bummer that I was talking yeah, about we're earlier. here, guys. We've made it. We made it to the bummer part. Halfway through, and now we're at the bummer. It really sucks. Yeah. Um, but, at, look, like, as we know, after that, no other nuclear weapons have been detonated, like, have been dropped on any place. There have been other tests. But there have been no bombs dropped since then, since the ending of World War II. Luckily. Because, as we all know, the ending of World War II caused the beginning of the Cold War, which was just the U.S. and Soviet Union pointing their bombs at each other and being like, don't do it. 
Ho, don't do it. And they're like, oh my god. Oh my god. You better not. And, like, we know, like, how many close calls there were. Cuban Missile Crisis, baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know the specifics, but I'll, I remember this. there's this one story of this one Russian guy, this Russian soldier who's, like, monitoring. He's, like, watching the radar. Mm-hmm. And he gets, like, a positive. Like, it's saying, like, there's a missile incoming and it'll be here in a minute. You've got to launch these rockets now. And he decides not to because he knows what would happen and it turns out like it was just a reflection off a cloud or something like that but like so, the like, entire earth would have like blown up yeah so like that man right there like stopped the end of the world that was about to start if yeah if like he had jumped too mm-hmm. quick yeah and like i don't have a citation but i've like heard that too mm-hmm. like colloquially yeah yeah but yeah like it puts into perspective yeah like there were just people manning controls for this stuff mm-hmm. that had the power to, like, destroy everything. Yeah. Um, and if you want to talk more about the the weird, like, controls of the missiles that we have today, like, because... Like, the foot... Doesn't the football not actually exist? What? The nuclear football. I don't know what that is. That's, like, the thing that the president, like, carries around with them, like, all the time that... Has like all the nuclear codes. I don't know. I have no. I've never even heard of that before. Okay. So. Yep. It's called the football. It's a brief. I, my understanding is that it is a briefcase. With, oh. With shit in it, and the Secret Service carry it around wherever the president goes. Um, this is a little bit of a tangent. This is not academic information. Do your own <laughs> research on the football, but um. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And its code name is the football. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before. That's pretty interesting. But mm-hmm. I was just you know. gonna I was just gonna mention if you want to talk about the abysmal state of our nuclear silos, um, John Oliver did a good bit on it. I just watched it <laughs> while doing research for this. Um, yeah, it's crazy the state of it today. But that's not nuclear energy. Um, <laughs> so Whack. Yeah. Um and then there's a bit of a jump from 1955 to 1965. There was the first reactor in space. I just thought that was really interesting. I don't have anything else to say about that. Why? 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 Just because you can? Well, you got to power your stuff somehow, and you're not going to bring coal up there. Okay. You know? You're that not going to have sense. a fire burning on the dance floor. I was about to say on the dance floor. You're going to have... A nuclear reactor. Nuclear right? reactor, nuclear reactor, nuclear reactor burning on the dance floor. <laughs> All right. And then five years later, 1970, there was the Treaty for the Non Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons by the UN. Yes. Um, so. Like, she is in the news recently with North Korea. Is, is she? Is she? Yes, wow. she is. And, um, like, Iran and stuff. Oh, I with all of that. guess I have not been paying close this enough is, attention. Well, I mean, in 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 the couple years when North like this is more a couple years ago when they were doing all of their oh, okay. Um, okay shit. But yeah, this isn't breaking news today in uh, April twenty twenty. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is like very relevant like legislation that still um like dictates foreign policy. Huh. Yeah. So if you haven't noticed not too much exciting stuff has happened um since um the 1940s so it's kind of just 
going along. Um, so after the bombs were dropped, the U.S. government actually encouraged the development of um, nuclear energy technology for um, civilians, so, meaning, like, power plants and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So in 1946, Congress um, passed the Atomic Energy Commission, or the AEC, that authorized um, the Breeder Reactor, which is just a theoretical or an experimental type of reactor, um, to be made in Idaho. And then, six, sorry, five years later, the first electricity was generated... Um, mm. And was de- was generated at the Breeder Reactor in December 1951. Hmm. So it took a while for um, the reaction, because it is the same reaction that happens in mm-hmm. like a bomb versus a reactor, but the different because energy is just energy, right? But the difference is, you don't want it to all be released at once. You want it to, because the um, the fuel rods are they're just submerged in water. And they, as they heat up due to fission, they release a lot of heat. And that water bubbles, which produces steam, which turns turbines. Mm-hmm. And that's how these things work. Um, so it took a long time for them to be able to control the reaction well enough um, to have it slowly release its energy rather than in a big boom. Yeah. I'm thinking of, um, like, in The Simpsons, um, so Homer works at a nuclear plant in yeah. Springfield and like there's the intro with the rods mm-hmm. you know like the glowing yellow do they actually glow yellow no if anything they would glow blue mm. so is I don't just think... like how like in pop culture we visualize radiation is that why well no if um if the control rod is giving off radiation mm-hmm. it is giving off ionizing radiation um and what that would so like it's giving off gamma rays and stuff like that um and what that would do is it ionizes the air around it and so the so the air is mostly nitrogen mm-hmm. and stuff like that and the air glows blue hmm. so like the control rods themselves are not glowing like visibly they're releasing other radiation which is ionizing the air around it causing it to turn blue so like after Chernobyl, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, you like there was like, I th- like I think they talk about it in the um, series Chernobyl on HBO. I haven't seen it yet. I'm very upset. I really want to, mm-hmm. but because I heard it's fairly accurate for some things. But mm. um, they the scientists while they're like flying in a helicopter over it, trying to convince like the politicians that this is actually a big deal. Um, He's like, look at that glow around the thing, and it's, like, glowing blue because of all the ionizing radiation, hmm. which is, yeah. So, to, an- to answer your question, technically, yes, they do glow. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, the first electricity was generated in 1951, and in 1952, there was the first nuclear-powered submarine. Whack. Yeah, so... That, Whack! That meant that submarines did not have to surface for fuel. So you can be stealthy boys. Very long time, yes. So, like, as long as you pack up enough food and oxygen, you can just stay underwater. So you can, like, chill and and Mm -hmm. have people not detect you. Yeah. Um, And then in July 1955, there was the first 
powered town, or the first town that was powered by nuclear power in Arco, Idaho. And it was just a small town of a thousand people. It's weird that all of this stuff is happening in Idaho. I love this Iowa, his, <laughs> uh, this Idaho history. Yeah, Arco, Idaho is the first town to be powered by um, nuclear power, at least a bit, which <laughs> I think is pretty cool. So it, it took them five years to generate electricity for the first time, but then four years to generate enough electricity to actually be used to power things. Mm-hmm. Um, 1982. Nuclear power becomes the second largest power source after coal, surpassing, like, hydropower. Mm. And at this point in 1982, um, it is providing 14% of the energy in the United States. Whoa. Um, we're not too much higher than that today, because in 1992, um, there were 110 plants in the United States, but only 22% of them. Um, but only 22% of the total is nuclear energy. <laughs> yeah. And I skipped over one thing. April 26th, 1986, um, there was Chernobyl. Yeah, I was like, yeah. did we miss Chernobyl? <laughs> In the Soviet Union. And what that was, just to be a little bit, um, just to talk a little bit about that. Um, Chernobyl, it was... they Bad. were. It was bad. It's still bad. Here, it's still bad, later. guys. Still bad. Um, but what happened was they were actually running a test. And they were testing, I think, their shutdown measures, their mm. emergency shutdown. And what ended up happening was they removed the control rods while, like, the isotopes were still hot. And it caused a meltdown, and it caused everything to, like, explode and melt. And, yeah, that's what happened. There's this big, there's this big um, molten thing called the elephant's foot in, like, the basement of Chernobyl. And what it is, <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, it's melted, like, nuclear power fuel. Because, like, it all got super hot, and it melted, and it, like, burned its way through um, the pipes. Or it burned its way through the containment, sorry. And to this day, it is still, like, too hot to get close to. Because it's so radioactive. Yeah. It's Whoa. insane. Watch Chernobyl. There's, Do it, cowards. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. Or if you don't have time, watch the Top Gear episode where <laughs> they... Um... <laughs> okay, okay, this is one of my favorite. I love Top Gear. It's problematic, but I love Top Gear. Um, one of my favorite episodes of all time is when uh, they do this challenge where they all have to pick like really fuel-efficient cars, but then they do everything and they, they fill them up all the way with gas and then they tell them that they're in Ukraine. It was in Ukraine, right? Or Russia, whatever, wherever Chernobyl was. Mm -hmm. Sorry, geographers. And, Ukraine. um, yeah. And, and they were like, Hey, you're like 60 miles from Chernobyl and you're in these really fuel efficient cars. Like some of the most fuel efficient cars in the world. You have to keep driving to Chernobyl right now and just, do everything you can to run out of gas before you get there, but you have to drive on this road in a straight line. So a bunch of them like are like speeding and then slamming on the brakes, speeding and then slamming on the brakes, and like they have like all their doors and trunk open to like produce as much drag as possible. And um, 
yeah, one of them ends up actually, like, going to Chernobyl because he doesn't, like, run out, and he's, like, in, like, abandoned-ass Chernobyl with, like, the creepy, um, Ferris wheel. Whoa. Um, there's a creepy abandoned Ferris wheel. Was that James May? No, it was Jeremy. Ah, okay. I used to watch Top Gear. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and they actually talk a lot about the science of, like, it. it's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. The more you know. Yeah. And then, lastly... To bring yeah. it all back. <laughs> the last thing I have on here is 2011. Um, the nuclear reactor in Fukushima, Japan, yeah. was hit by a tsunami. So there was an earthquake which caused a tsunami. And the plant did what it was supposed to. And it shut down immediately. But there was a really tall tsunami wave that came and crashed into everything. And it flooded... Um, which caused the power to go out. So, like, the backup reserve diesel power that... Because after you turn off a nuclear reactor, the um, fuel keeps producing heat just mm-hmm. because of how the reaction It, it can't just stop. Yeah. yeah. So they need to continue running the cooling systems. Otherwise, it'll overheat. And what ended up happening was it threw, it threw out their backup generators or the their cooling generators and which caused the cooling to stop which then caused all kinds of explosions after everything superheated which, yeah i remember that yeah, yeah. big deal that was oh wow that was nine years ago oof i was like yeah that wasn't that long ago but oh boy oh boy time keeps we were like ticking. 10 yeah, speak for yourself we're like a, a week <laughs> apart in age i'm two, years, I'm two weeks old <laughs> yeah what's your Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all I got. That's a summarized history of nuclear power. You know, a lot of it was a bummer, but a lot of it wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yup. Yeah. I I I did warn you this was going to be a bit more of a bummer. No, I mean I actually I learned a lot today. Yeah. Ask me any physics questions at luke.hoffman at outlook.com. <laughs> Follow this boy up. That's funny. Yeah. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks. Today, today we learned today's oh. episode was <laughs> the bomb. <laughs> well, the three bombs. The three bombs. <laughs> And a lot of rods. Lots of rods. Lot of rods. Hey. Fermi's rods, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you. Hey. Hey, listeners. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye, friends.